0: The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. We affirm the harmony of special with general revelation and therefore a biblical teaching with the facts of nature. We deny that any genuine scientific facts are inconsistent with the true meaning of any passage of Scripture. We affirm that Genesis 1-11 through is factual, as is the rest of the book. We deny that the teachings of Genesis 1-11 through are mythical and that scientific hypotheses about Earth history or the origin of humanity may be invoked to overthrow what Scripture teaches about creation. Those are Articles 21 and 22 of the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy as we continue our series of looking at this historic document from 1978. Welcome to the Faith Debate. I'm Troy Skinner. You're listening to us on 9.30 a.m. on your uh, transistor radio, or perhaps you're listening to us uh, at 99.9 HD2, or perhaps you're listening to us on the, the live stream, or you're listening to us later. Not live, you're listening to the podcast. However you're listening... Welcome. We appreciate you uh, taking time out of your your busy schedule to um, to pay any attention at all to what we have to say. I'm Troy Skinner, and I've uh, been hosting the Faith Debate Show for a long time, and now as the regular panelists for a pretty long time. We've got Imran Razvi, also known as Raz. We've got Daniel Razvi, uh, also known as Daniel. <laughs> 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 and David Forsey, also known as David. Um, so... I'm not sure if you guys took the time between the last show and this show to uh, freshen up on, on these uh, statements on inerrancy. So hopefully you guys did because I, I did not. So I'm, I'm kind of doing this a little bit cold. But it's interesting as we read these, well, this, it's this touching one, on some things we've talked about
1: in recent weeks on the show. Well, this is the hermeneutic statement. We did the inerrancy statement completely, right? There were two statements. W- wasn't the original one about inerrancy? Oh, did I sure? just read the hermeneutics one? Yeah. You did. You read the hermeneutics one, that's what we're on.
0: Oh, is that what we're on now? Correct. Oh, all right, we finished inerrancy. We did. We finished inerrancy a few weeks I ago. I definitely
1: should have brushed up. And we started the hermeneutics.
0: This reminds oh, yeah. me of a story when I was uh, in, in high school, it was my biology class. And uh, we were going to be doing a test on like chapter 31 of our biology textbook or something. And I studied hard and I was ready for this test. And the, the, the test comes out and I realize as I look at the first couple of questions, I have no idea what the questions are talking about. <laughs> I studied chapter like 33 but the test was on chapter 31 or something.
1: Oh, man.
0: And so fortunately, it was one of those fill in the oval with your uh, number two pencil kind of thing. And apparently I'm a pretty good guesser. Because I was like, I don't know, I'm going to go with A on this one, kind of thing. And I think there were like 35 or 40 questions. Uh, I got a 90-plus score, highest score in the class. (laughs) And the guy that was kind of my biology partner on all the little you know, slicing up the the frogs and all that you had to do, um, he uh, didn't study at all. And so he decided to take the high road and said, you know what? I'm not. He told the teacher, "I'm not taking the quiz. I didn't study. Uh, I don't deserve a grade on this (laughs) test." So he took a zero. He he took a zero. Yeah, like what do you have to lose? So I uh, I didn't take take the zero. I am getting the highest grade in the class, and he was so
1: mad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's no grades giving out today, right? Uh, Well, you you know.
2: I don't and, know why you should be mad. You worked really hard.
0: Just on the med. wrong stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I did, I'm telling you. They should have just given everybody a 50 because, you know, that way everybody is fair. And, and, and to be honest, I wonder, I mean, I, I really didn't know what I was doing. But having studied material somewhat related to it, I think gave me some clue as to how to try to guess. So I didn't know what I was doing, but...
2: Well, you had, you had studied into the future, and so...
0: Yeah, exactly, and it and it explains my life, right? Because I never really know exactly what's going on because I've 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 been focusing on the wrong things, but those wrong things give me some insight into the right things on rare occasions. So, all right, yeah, so we are onto hermeneutics. So, all right, anything in the, this that we take issue with?
1: Um, not, not that I take issue with. Um, I would just clarify, right? I mean, I think it's really important. In twenty one, it says we deny that any genuine scientific facts are inconsistent with the true meaning of any passage of Scripture. There are plenty of quote unquote facts of science that are inconsistent with the Bible. Um, we would just say if if that can be shown, then those are not actually facts, right? Any true fact would it would be consistent with the Bible. Now, in the next part where it says Genesis one to eleven is factual, and there any scientific hypotheses about Earth history or origin of humanity, um, they have to kind of mesh with what scripture says, meaning that they had to follow what scripture says and not the other way around. Um, and so I, I would I would say that, uh, I would go, go so far as to say, be specific about which theories, that the theory of evolution would be not consistent with scripture at all. I think we all agree on that. And I personally would be on the side of, you know, I, I think a, a, a very old earth would also not be in line with scripture at all. But I think we, ha- we had, had some disagreement on that the last time.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't think that somebody that holds to a young earth is is anti-biblical or, or, at all. Old earth, you mean? And, but I, well, I was okay. starting there. Clearly, there's an argument made for that. Um, but I don't know that the, the text demands that of the reader. And so if somebody wants to go with a day-age theory in the earliest part of Genesis... Uh, they they wouldn't be making that decision based on any sort of a commitment to evolution, Darwinian or otherwise. Uh, they're just saying, well, the text doesn't explicitly say, and I'm going to leave room for the possibility. I think that they could still be an inerrantist and they could be faithful in in how their their hermeneutical approach, we probably should define that. It's just a fancy word for how you interpret things. So they could be faithful interpreters of the Bible and they're just not trying to press the text any further than they in, in their good conscience feels like
3: it could go. I don't think so. I think they would not even come to that conclusion without outside information, without somebody from science somebody from evolution saying it took millions or billions of years of doing this, that would not even come into their mind if they just read the Bible. If they just read the Bible, that long period of time would never have existed.
0: But if somebody asks the question, we're we're covering some ground. I covered a couple of shows ago, I don't know. um, If somebody has a question posed to them by a skeptic or a scoffer that gets them thinking, huh, that's an interesting question, let me re-examine the text and see... You know, if you're scoffing or your skepticism is warranted, and because of that challenge to their view, they're like, you know what? I don't agree with your evolution. I don't agree with the premise from which your question is coming or or their attitude behind your question. But now that I've examined this in light of your question, I think it's fair to say that the text maybe isn't quite as explicit on that point, and so I'm going to allow a water, wider berth. I've th- birth on that. I think that we can. I, I think be there are okay plenty brothers of, on that I, th- and sisters on that I, in, th- in the faith.
1: I think there are plenty of places where the text is not quite that explicit. Uh, I would say Genesis just isn't one of them. And if you're going to be consistent and logical about the way that you apply the hermeneutics and and if you really do believe in an narrative scripture there's no other way to read that text other than it's 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 a young earth yeah but uh, and we probably aren't going to come to a, a total agreement on that in this show we- but, but yeah because we almost probably
0: need to do a genesis creations narrative kind of maybe even a series of shows on that and go through the text right that might be an interesting show to do at some point so this yeah. that this show isn't that anything you want to add though on these points david
2: um no, I I again I, I agree with Daniel in the sense of I think um I, I think that if uh that, that if somebody is making allowances for that then they're um that they're not doing a very good job with their hermeneutic. So but we would have to do a show okay. on those passages to At the flesh very all that least
0: out. I think that this statement leaves that open. Somebody could subscribe to this statement, sign off and say, I agree this 100 percent and be uh, really old earth. I think I think I, it's I think, think
2: it's vague true. enough that that's yeah, true. <laughs> true. No.
0: And I think that's on purpose.
1: I think the people that, to, I think, in
2: order to be inclusive,
1: I think we can all be categorically emphatic about evolution is not a biblical concept, though. And so we do want to make that distinction.
0: And I think I said this uh, one or two shows ago. I I would also emphatically say it's not even
1: scientific. (laughs) 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 That's great. So I wish we don't mean microevolution. We mean macroevolution. One one kind of animal changes into another kind of animal. Yeah, your
0: dog isn't going to turn into a pigeon. That's just you know, or vice versa. That's not going to happen. So all right, Article Twenty Three. We affirm the clarity of Scripture and specifically of its message about salvation from sin. We deny that all passages of Scripture are equally clear or have equal bearing on the message of redemption. I'll do the next one, too. Article 24. We affirm that a person's not dependent for understanding of Scripture on the expertise of biblical scholars. We deny that a person should ignore the fruits of the technical study of Scripture by biblical scholars. So these
1: aren't exactly related. So we might need to take them one at a time. Yeah. Well, Scripture is clear about salvation, but not all parts of scripture are e- equally easy to understand. That, that kind of makes sense. I think a lot of that has to do with the style of writing, right? Because some passages are very clearly historical in nature, like it it's reads like a textbook or a history book, rather than a, you know, much more uh, vague or prophetic type of, uh, of book that can be uh, a lot of a head scratcher sometimes. So I, I, I don't think that's a...
0: And also your, your, your position in, in history... I think there are certain things that we're at a disadvantage when we read uh, something that was written thousands of years ago. There was some assumed knowledge that they just knew. You know, imagine talking about you know Frederick County and uh, today we just take things for granted, and somebody has a recording of that discussion 4,000 years from now. And they're like, okay, I don't, I don't know what a Fitzgerald Automall is. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. So
2: that uh, which which does connect to the the next point here, which is. Essentially, the, the article is saying, and, you know, any normal reader can understand Scripture, but uh, there are some who have uh, devoted a lot of time to you know, try and figure out some of those, those historical contexts and things like we're talking about. Absolutely. And, th- and those are of value, and those should not be, you know, set aside.
0: Yeah, and I think that's important in today's day and age. Uh, so many people, it's me and my Bible— I don't need to go to church. I don't need to listen to any of my, any pastors or any scholars or whatever. I, you know, the the Bible's perfectly clear, and I can and there's a
1: truth to that, and that's what makes you, it. You can you can difficult. easily go to one extreme or the other, right? Because then you get a lot of Catholics that are like, well, I don't need my Bible. The, my pastor or my priest will tell me what to do or what to believe, and a lot of um, you know uh, Muslims will say something similar, depending on what sect of of, of Islam they're in. That oh, I don't need my uh, Quran reading. I I, I mean, I, I should do it, but. Really, I get from the Milano what it tells what. So in a lot of religions and a lot of cults of Christianity, um, it's really the local leader or the, the overall leader that, that tells you what to believe. So I think either extreme is a bad thing, Troy. So you, you mentioned the other extreme where you could say, oh, I don't eat any pasture at all. Well, they're both are important. And so you want to have a balance.
0: Yeah. And by the way, the, his, the, the history point I was making before, I realize that works in the reverse, too. People from thousands of years ago don't have the advantage that we have because they were pre-cross, and a lot of things that we're pointing to in the future, they mm-hmm. might not have fully understood what that was pointing to. We can now, right. through the benefit of hindsight, look back 2,000 years and be like, okay, now I know what that passage in Isaiah is really talking about. So that works both ways. Right. And yes. right, Article 25 is the last one. Let's see if they save mm-hmm. the... Best for last. We affirm that the only type of preaching which sufficiently conveys the divine revelation and its proper application to life is that which faithfully expounds the text of Scripture as the word of God. We deny that the preacher has any message from God apart from the text of Scripture.
1: I'd I have to have some clarification on what they meant by this, the last phrase. We deny that the preacher has any message from God apart from the text of Scripture. I don't think that's that's all necessarily true if it's as so what i understand that to say is that there's not going to be any other message or word from god outside of what scripture has already said and i don't think that's correct if it's if they're saying we deny that the preacher is going to contradict scripture or give something that's completely against scripture in the message okay yeah that that's that i can be on board with but i am not a cessationist i believe that the gift of prophecy never went away and there are people that do give prophecies or, or may let's let's say may give prophecies uh, or or a word from god direct word from god for a congregation a person a, a nation whatever reason in the future it will match with scripture so it will not contradict scripture if and when that happens but i want to leave room for the possibility that that would happen and i think that talking
0: about the charismatic uh movement in the church is possibly part of what's being said here but the way i'm mostly thinking they might mean it, is that when you're preaching the Word of God, that you should be preaching the Word of God. You should be preaching the text of Scripture. It shouldn't be some sort of, uh, you know, uh, Tony Robbins feel good, how to be successful in life kind of a message. It should be uh, a message that is not apart from the text of Scripture, that preaching is rooted in Scripture. That's how I'm mainly meaning uh, thinking they're meaning this, but I think also, yeah, it could be something about... Uh, charismatic revelation, and, and it may and be
2: distinguishing things. between uh, preaching, in particular, and you know other other times in which um, you know people are are interacting um, with one another about you know maybe what God would have them to do right in their lives, uh, which you know where you bring biblical principles to bear. Um, but, uh, yeah. So does that, does that line up with what you're, you're saying, Daniel? Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I just would, would want to clarify Cause if what they're saying is that you cannot give any new revelation and that no new revelation would ever exist, then I, I would say, I disagree <laughs> with that. I don't think scripture supports that. Um, yeah, I don't think that there's, I don't know that they're saying that. Cause I think,
0: again, this is talking about, uh, interpretive principles, uh, as you're preparing for and presenting a sermon, this is this is meant for preaching, this particular article anyway is, is specifically talking about preaching. Right. So, I don't... Yeah, so, I think so I would...
1: If that's, if that's the case, as long as they're not prohibiting any idea of uh, additional revelation that may come in the future, uh, then then I, I don't have a problem with the statement. I, I agree with it. I think, yes, you need to be based in Scripture, and expanding Scripture, uh, really expositorily, is, is really the only right way to be preaching you need to go through scripture and consider all the context and and go through in order
0: yeah and expository that's a a fancy word you want to uh provide some right definition for that
1: the two main methods of preaching are topical versus expository right where topical we mean i pick a topic i have the theme and my theme might be um god's love And we might want to go and look through all the verses about God's love and pull them out one by one and put them all in a row and then read them all and say, here's all the teaching about God's love. Versus just reading a passage of Scripture and saying, okay, verse number one says this. Okay, what are all the contexts? Are there similar passages that talk about the same thing? Bring those in. Okay, now go to verse number two. So you may deal with a specific topic, but you are going through in context rather than just pulling verses out of your hat in different t- spots to fit a narrative that you've made up to, to do. And so that's yeah. why uh, a lot of times if you look at you know um, some lists of, of what to look for in a church or in a preacher, you want a preacher that's expository rather than topical.
0: And sometimes it, it's not immediately apparent because somebody can be presenting an expositional message that sounds topical because the passage... Th- you know, the paragraph of the Bible you're preaching on is basically there's one main topic and point to that. And so it's like, oh, this must be a bad preacher. He's doing a topical message. Well, no. Was it was it the topic from the text that was that day's, you know, and, was and being I, examined I, that day?
1: And I don't think that there's no place ever for a topical, you know. I mean, you might have an event that you're speaking at. Sure. You want to bring, what does the Bible have to say about this event? You know, marriage will be a very good thing. You know, you have pastors going to speak at a marriage. Um, then you might want to bring in verses about marriage specifically, but they should still be in context if if that's going to be the case. And I think that should be limited in in nature. In general, when you have preaching, it should be expository. Yeah,
0: and one of the good benefits to doing that sort of an approach is you're working through the Bible kind of in order. You're picking different books of the Bible, working through that book in order, is you can't skip the hard, controversial passages. You're kind of forced to deal with them. You can't cherry pick. So now this uh, International Council on Biblical Inerrancy... Uh, and I said 1978 earlier. Uh, that was the, uh, the original statement on biblical inerrancy was 1978. The uh, Chicago Statement on Biblical Hermeneutics came out in the uh, 1980s, uh, about four years later, 1982. So I misspoke earlier. So just to correct the record, because I know there are some fastidious types that like give me a hard time on social media when I, I flub. And unfortunately, I give them opportunities almost every show. <laughs> to, <laughs> to to. So I wanted to get ahead of that one. So they also include, though, uh, a portion that's called exposition. And I'm not going to read this whole thing, but there are some parts that jumped out at me I thought would be interesting fodder for conversation. So uh, the second paragraph of their exposition, it starts and ends this way. The living God, creator and redeemer, is a communicator. And the inspired and inerrant scriptures which set before us his saving revelation in history are his means of communicating with us today. So it is of vital importance to, do, to detect and dismiss defective ways of interpreting what is written and to replace them with faithful interpretation of God's infallible word. I don't think any of us disagree with that, but I'm wondering, um, is there a practical application point as pastors, preachers yourselves, uh, is, there, is there anything in this, particularly you know, the importance of detecting and dis- dismissing uh, defective ways of interpreting? What are some ways that you guard against
3: these defective ways? Um, things that are tied to emotion. I think, uh, especially in today's modern church, there's a lot of emotional um, experiences that they're trying to prove the Bible through emotion— feel a burning in your chest or or you know some kind of emotional testimonies and i think that is taking away from god's word and
0: so you're saying as you're looking at the text and you you as the as the person who's going to be preaching it might have something burning in your belly or burning in your bosom to quote our uh, lds friends uh and and so you want to not just run with that you want to test that and make sure that you're, yeah. you're 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 also being in, uh, intellectual, not just emotional.
3: Right, but I mean, I've, I've heard of churches also uh, saying um, that you know you're not saved unless you're speaking in tongues. You know, that's not biblical. But they're using extra biblical things to try to <clears throat> get you to have an emotional experience and uh, try to
1: tie you to that church and that preaching. I think that's not correct.
0: You were going to say something too, Daniel?
1: Yeah, I was just on. A different note of you know what things do you look at what are some examples of of a defective way of interpreting what's written one uh, easy trap that people fall into is taking a single verse either out of context or having an entire doctrine that either stands or falls on a single verse um god i I was just talking to somebody the other uh day about how there's a verse famous verse in first john about the father the son and the holy ghost these three are one right and there's it's famous not because it it accurately describes the trinity but it's famous because many people have claimed well, there's not good manuscript support for that verse and some manuscripts don't include it so maybe it was added by a copyist and it really isn't part of the bible and the point uh, i was making with my my friend brought up he said it's um it doesn't matter because the doctrine of the trinity doesn't need that verse right if you get rid of the verse There's so many other passages that deal with the Trinity. Yeah, it'd be nice to have that verse too, but you can't have a doctrine that stands or falls on one verse. So I think that's a really important point when you're interpreting scripture. If you're reading through your Bible and you see this one verse that stands out, and you're like, oh, that's weird. Hey, you know what? I'm going to build a whole... Philosophy around this idea that just came to me after reading this one verse. Well, make sure it's supported by the rest of the scripture, and it weaves throughout all the rest of the, the, the you know the context of the, where you found the verse and also other passages. So that that's just uh, one trap that people can fall into. Yep. Yeah. You, you have any uh,
0: thoughts you'd like to share about your your preparation of of uh, making sure that as you're teaching your congregation things that you're not falling prey to some of these uh defective ways of interpreting the Bible? Some,
2: some of the unlisted defective ways or are they they might be in there somewhere but uh <laughs> um yeah i i think one i mean we've sort of said this already i think one thing that's super important is to to seek to become as as familiar with all of scripture as possible. Uh i think that helps to to guard against um you know reading a small portion and uh, interpreting it in light of um, my own personal experience rather than, uh, you know, the whole counsel of Scripture.
0: Yeah, and, it's not, and not just our own personal experience as, as as one person, but our own personal experience as a collective of persons. Sometimes our traditions can mm-hmm. get in the way. You, know, you grew up in a particular denomination or or. or Uh, school of thought within the faith and you become blinded to other things and sometimes it's good to test yourself against other traditions that are also trying to argue from the Bible and say, you know what? Because I've had this happen. I was like, man, my tradition actually, I think, might have gotten that one wrong. I think there's another tradition is better on this question at that point. I think that's good to to allow ourselves to be exposed to some of the giants that came before us that are biblically faithful but outside of the, the tradition that we most often find ourselves uh, subscribing to. Well, that's going to do it for this week's uh, edition of The Faith Debate. I want to thank... Uh, David Forsey and Daniel Razvi and Imran Raz Razvi for uh, again being on the panel with me Troy Skinner. Uh, You can find us online at WFMD.com. Go to the Faith Debate page. You can also find uh, us through the Household of Faith in Christ website. That's HouseholdofFaithInChrist.com HouseholdofFaithInChrist.com All the contact information is there and information about uh, the church and and, uh, my church specifically and uh, pictures actually a couple of these guys in addition to mine. So if you're curious what we look like it really is. It's not on that. Much. Anyway, till next time, 167 and a half hours from right now. God bless.